0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of I Like to Read with me, your host, Rachel Polanski. It's another hot one in Los Angeles, y'all, but I did figure I would dress up with you with a nice little dress and of course I always... Caveat: I think there was maybe one or two episodes I did without makeup, and honestly, who cares? But it's kind of just fun for me to get back to my old makeup obsessive days. And I did used to wear makeup every day when I went into work. And God, I was just thinking the other day, like complete side note, but I used to work in an office at a Jewish nonprofit organization, a Jewish synagogue in Los Angeles, and that required me to go in person to this job from eight thirty to five pm every day, with the exception of Fridays when we closed early for Shabbat. And this place was not super far from my apartment. I would say maybe about seven miles. Um, It would take maybe like 45 minutes each way. That was if I was lucky. Sometimes it would take more than an hour. And this was a job I did not particularly enjoy. Um, It was, you know, a way to pay the bills. Looking back, you know, could have been making a lot more a lot sooner. I definitely could have challenged myself more and I wanted to get out for a while and circumstances and the fates and the universes aligned. And now I am no longer there and it is definitely for the best. And while my new job has not it's not quite perfect you know it's definitely better than it was before and that's really the most important thing I was looking for and I get to work from home which not only means that I I've mentioned this so many times but like I don't have to wear makeup I don't have to wear a bra but I don't have to deal with the shitty commute and like yes there is something to be said about like leaving the apartment and going out and seeing people but like when you're in a windowless office like it's very unmotivating to want to go outside it just was very like i did have my own office which was the one perk i really don't think i could have done it for as long as i did which was almost three years i think maybe four god no yeah almost four years yeah yeah almost (laughs) i'm like wait yes yes almost no yeah it was almost four years yep i turned 27 this year i'm like what the fuck is time so weird um and see, once I go off on a tangent, I have a hard time getting myself back to the start of the thought. Yeah, the start of the thought, the thought of the start. Ha, who knows? Um, long story short, I was just thinking and seeing how, you know, how grateful I am to be able to work from home and to be the sort of person who is introverted and enjoys it. And sometimes there are times when I, you know, I get to read. just in between meetings or in between events and it's just like the best thing ever because yeah I could sort of do that my other job too but there was always you know the idea of someone walking in or the phone ringing me here it's like yes I might get an email but everything is so much more chill and I'm a chill person besides you know the way I phrase the thoughts and the words and it might be very fast but overall I'm chill. I'm chill. I'm cool. Although not right now. I'm sweating. I mean, I did wear this dress for y'all. I got the chest out, but not so much the boobs. Um, Let me know your thoughts. And, like, you know, for women, how much of our chest is it okay to show versus our cleavage and our boobs? And, like, if you have smaller boobs, can you show more? I have pretty big boobs, but this is a, a looser dress that I picked up at a thrift store in San Diego, like, want to say the first second or first or second year I moved here. You also again thank you for the regular listeners for bearing with this sort of unpredictable upload schedule, trying to get them out every week. Um with you know just trying our best. Sometimes delays happen, sometimes I don't have the time to record. Do have a few trips coming up. Um we'll maybe try to schedule some things in advance. Um but I also should be better about like posting on my social media what I'm reading because I like to read as more than just this weekly podcast. It's really I like to read and I'm reading every single day not every single minute of every single day i wish but sometimes it feels like that um so if you want to know what i've been reading you know follow me there that's or goodreads is definitely the best place just because that automatically connects to my kindle so it's like one less thing that i have to deal with uh goodreads want to sponsor me thank you anyways how many times can i say anyways are here to talk about this week's five books we got some real good ones y'all at first i was like a little nervous i wasn't going to have enough sometimes that happens where i'll reach the end of a recording week and i'm like oh i've only read like three or four books and i could pull from like a a more three-star mid-tier book and sort of talk it up or maybe talk about its slight mediocrity but then i just came across some really good ones so y'all are y'all are in for a treat this week not that every book week i don't talk about fantastic books but some weeks are better than others maybe not episodes but, but weeks in terms of books so our first one that we have is Damnation Spring by Ash Davidson. This book surprised me, and I don't want to say I didn't like it when I started. It was definitely a little bit slow going. It takes place in Northern California, and I think like the early 70s it starts out, and it's about a family, um, Rich Gunderson. They live um, in Northern California, and they make their living hauling timber, and it's a very like luscious forest earthy, rich nature novel, um, but it, you know, deals with as the title might suggest, Damnate That Damn Spring. Um, The sort of looming background question, of course, is whether or not this spring is responsible for the destruction and medical ailments um, that exist in their small town, especially um, Rich's wife, Colleen, um, sort of seems to be indirectly affected by it with regards to her fertility, while it has that sort of like Aaron Brockovich elements of this larger conspiracy, and I believe i can't think of any off the top of my head but i know i've read quite a few sort of environmental conspiracy books and i i mean conspiracy in the sense that sort of like they are touted as conspiracies by these organizations and actually i'm a truther and no i mean i think there's really something to be said by medical science and while this is a fictional book um it's definitely based off of many real life situations so there's this sort of Rich and Colleen are our main couple that are at odds with each other while we do get to know some peripheral members of the their family, particularly their, their one son, Chubb, that they are able to have. Um, Colleen really just has this, like, lingering, she has this almost, like, sixth sense intuition, and she knows that something's wrong with this forest, but she doesn't quite have the terminology and or, um, you know, as you know as a woman at this time, she was not taken as seriously, and she tries her hardest to sort of make this known, but she also understands that this forest and this place is so special to her husband and his entire family that, you know, to blow that all up at what cost, um, you know, both, um, you know, literally and almost figuratively and at what cost does there come to our, their relationship? So part of it, again, is that sort of Aaron Brockovich environmental drama piece. Part of it is the relationship piece between Colleen and Rich and secrets and, you know, larger things that can divide us apart and what it means to be a community and what it means to be a family um, when faced with a larger macrocosm coming into your microcosm. Speaking of microcosms, we have our next book, Open Water by Caleb Azuma Nelson. So while this is technically a novel, it's definitely under 200 pages. I think it was closer to like 175. And it reads really, really quickly. It's almost like a short story kum <laughs> summa cum short story cum um, like play, like nove- novella, I guess is the best way to put it. We follow the lives of two young people. Now, it doesn't say their name on Goodreads, and I'm an idiot, and so I don't freaking remember <laughs> their names, but they are two black artists, and they meet, and the the young man is instantly falls in love with the young woman. So it sort of has this Romeo and Juliet aspect to it, because at the time, the young woman is dating the young man's best friend. That's how they were introduced. But once they meet, they have this... In, indeterminable, ineffectable sort of connection that drives the entire novella. And it's not even so much a will they, won't they because the novella sort of intersects at these people's lives at different points as they try their hardest to fight against this relationship despite the fact that, you know, it's not a spoiler to say that the young woman does break up with her boyfriend pretty, pretty early on into the novel. It doesn't exactly spell sunshine and roses for their future. And there's a lot of um, things they have to overcome for such a short novella. I mean, it sort of reads like a lot of, you know, the the concept is similar to a lot of different things that sort of play with the idea of two people who are meant to be but have a really hard time facing that whether it's their own internal obstacles or larger external obstacles pitting them against each other but this one also um, just shows to how that love is not always sunshine and rainbows and the the destructive force that comes behind it because I think that we like to think of love as something we can control and when we think about not being able to control it we focus on the big and the messy and the in your face but what about the, the love we can't control with the sort of indefinable relationships that continue to follow us and haunt us for years especially when that person is also like not just a figure in the periphery or someone you're having an affair with but like someone who also becomes your best friend and those complex relationships and the best friend and the woman you want to date and how they meld into one so lots of complex things and under 200 pages definitely check this one out next we have the last secret you'll ever keep by a podcast which i want to say a podcast favorite yeah but Lori faria is still ours i had an interview with her we talked all about her young um her collection of young adult fiction she's been writing books since like 2005 or like i've been reading her for many many years i talked about her second to most recent novel jane anonymous in an episode, I think about like four or five months ago. At this point, I think the time is again. (laughs) Um, And so I talked about Jane Anonymous, the first novel at the time, the first novel in this sort of Jane Anonymous series, The Last Secret You'll Ever Keep actually did come out in March, but at the time I was not able to get it from the library. I finally did get it, I read it. This is really cool because it's sort of like a spiritual sequel in the sense that it takes the Jane Anonymous story and I won't spoil too much about that one, but it's just about a young woman named Jane Anonymous who is kidnapped and goes through this trauma and then has to deal with the ramifications of like returning back to society and returning back to her true self. So this novel picks up with um, our new main character and her name is, again, names are so hard for me to... Um, I don't think you had to have read necessarily the first Jane Anonymous to appreciate this, but you will have a greater appreciation for the world and the way that these characters are framed, um, because the connection is our main character in this novel, The Last Secret You'll Ever Keep. Um, she... Is kidnapped and held hostage in a well for a few days and then returns to society as well. So goes through a similar experience like Jane. Only problem is she sort of has this background of, you know, the girl who cried Wolf and has some sort of past trauma experience that that doesn't necessarily make her the most trustworthy person in the eyes of the other townsfolk. So she quickly finds this message board um, started through the Jane Anonymous character from the first book that helps her find solace and peace in a way to sort of understand this trauma and connect with people online in a way that she doesn't necessarily person however you know as you might be able to see coming things online are not always what they seem now you know it's one thing to look at that and see it but hindsight is twenty twenty. and as a young woman as our main character is who goes through a lot of trauma and is just looking for anything to hold out to and connect it's easy to be conceived and to see i'm sorry it's easy to be deceived and to see what you want to see so part of it is this sort of mystery thriller novel there's definitely more exploration of trauma and the believability of women, particularly when they have already sort of been labeled as too much or too crazy or have some sort of stigma or label against them. And then what it's like to deal with survival and to deal with something, you know, no one should have to go through, let alone a 16-year-old. Um, so part, you know, it's a young adult novel, but deals with some pretty heavy stuff. And again, that's why I love Laurie Faria Stolar's her entire catalog, again, is... Deals with young women, but young women who are definitely very mature and having to go through a lot more than I've had to go through it, even, you know, 10 years older than these characters. So that's that one. <laughs> that's that one. Next, we have Lilyville, mother, daughter, and other roles I've played by Tova Feldsche. The reason I picked this up, Tolva Feldscher is a famous Broadway actress, but I know her primarily for her her role as Naomi Bunch, Rachel Bunch's girlfriend in the Wonder... I'm sorry, Rebecca Bunch's Rachel Bloom's Crazy Ex-Girlfriend TV show. So that's how I was introduced to her. I know that she had a previous background on Broadway and had been in a lot of other stuff. Um, Also probably most notably recently in The Walking Dead for a couple years. I have not watched that show, but she does touch on that in her memoir. Um, But this is... She has such an esteemed theater background And while she uses that as her frame of reference to sort of carry us through her life, because that is her life, she, as the title states, Lilyville is the world that her mother Lily sort of created for her and instilled in her and her values that have guided her through life. And while her mother is no longer with us at this time, at this time, unfortunately, her mother passed away, but she lived to be, like, 105 or something. So she just lived this, like, crazy, incredible life and beat death and went through this incredible, like, transformative surgery, which you will read more about in the book. So not only is it about Tova's relationship to her mother, but Tova's relationship to womanhood. Of course, there's a lot of mediation and exploration of Broadway and what it means to be an actress and a starving actress and one who has consistently, you know, worked her way up pretty much from the bottom and been in pop culture and now has this, fantastic book out, so clearly a very smart funny, talented woman Um, it's also, you know, goes through the different roles that she's played you know, she famously originated the role Yentl in um, some Jewish play whose name I'm blanking on, but just sort of, you know, she's had an incredible career that's, you know, she's been acting for over five decades, so she has plenty of stories and anecdotes, but along all that, you know, it's not only a story about Broadway and the limelight, but what happens behind the scenes and what it's like to be a woman and a mother and a grandmother and a daughter and all these different roles that we play and how one's life can be so full and rich and ready for reading. Well, read, fell. Book. Even if you aren't really familiar with her, I think she's so funny and warm and immediately draws you into her rich, storied life that you feel like you're going to be her best friend, even if you don't even know who she is. And last but certainly, certainly not least, we have another repeat podcast. I want to say guest because I wish she was here, but podcast author, My Heart is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones. I read his other most recent book, and I don't even want to say most recent book because I think Stephen Graham Jones is like a freaking genius and puts out at least like a novel year. Sometimes novellas and more as well. Um, the last, The Only Good Indians, which was sort of a take, um, a modern day take on the native Deer woman legend, but also just very like supernatural and creepy. And I, yeah, The Only Good Indians. So I talked about that actually in one of my more beginning episodes. And now we are here with my heart as a chainsaw. Um, this one I freaking loved. Maybe just because 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 I'm a little bit partial to horror movies and slasher films. So if you're not really into anything horror slashery, while this is definitely more of like a quote unquote fun one in the vein of, you know, like the last final girl with Grady Hendrix, there's definitely some gore and violence described in this. There's lots of killings, there's murder, there's mystery, there's intrigue, our main character, Jade, Is a quirky, you know, outcast who believes that she, you know, she doesn't think she's in a horror movie, but she's done so much research and watched so many movies that her life might as well be. And she lives in this sort of storied town that has these legends that... Um, for some reason or another are kind of coming back to haunt her so not only does it play with the concepts of like you know whether or not we should believe the authority figures whether or not we should believe this sort of unreliable quirky narrator and this you know there's a lot of explorations of the final girl the title is definitely an homage to Carol (laughs) I'm like I literally had her name ready to go but it's um Carol Clover, right. Men, Women, and Chainsaws, I think it is. Uh, Men, Women, and Chainsaws. Yeah, by Carol J. Clover. And I have the book and I definitely, I don't think I've read the entire thing, but I've read bits and pieces and definitely used it in some of my more academic, collegiate, fresher learning days. Um, But this, I mean, there's nothing academic. I don't wanna say there's nothing academic about this because clearly there's actually a lot of thought Put into both the horror genre itself and there's a sort of meta component and that our main character since she's so obsessed um she's writing an essay about horror films that is interspersed throughout the entire novel so this one was definitely like a little bit longer but because it's so cinematic and fun and sort of like ir- irreverent in the best way possible like you know follows a lot of the horror film tropes but still keeps you guessing and is just like really well written and I can't wait to see what Stephen Graham Jones has next. So horror, fun fans, spooky season. I want to say it's upon us. No, it's here. It's always spooky season. But I think once we kind of hit September 1st and this is coming out mid-September, it's really spooky season. So perfect for curling up by the fire or if you're in hot Los Angeles, sweating to death and pretending that you're somewhere cooler. Uh, let me know what you're reading. As always, uh, follow me on all the social medias. Leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Leave me a written review. It would be wonderful. Love y'all so much, and until next time, stay reading. Bye.